Hey, so yeah, I really wanted to talk um, tonight about the anointing, and I had been thinking about that for quite a while. I actually felt imp- impressed um, by, by God to, to sort of look into that in about February. And then, um, so I've been chipping away, but I was like, wow, hey, you're handing out my lollies. <laughs> nah, sorry, right, okay, just go for it, go for it. Uh, and, and Andrew preached an amazing message. Um, yeah, let's, whoa. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it was such a, such a timely message, and um, it so resonated with us. So thank you, my brother. It was awesome. And, um, and so I, it was funny because I was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I want to share tonight. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think it's essential to say that, um, that we're using this word anointing to, to describe the varying ways in which God manifests himself to us, to, to humanity through Holy Spirit. And, um, and you said this this morning so well, but in, in Hebrew, as uh, similar to English, that um, personal names don't have an article in front of them. So we, we try and tend away from saying the Holy Spirit, just like you wouldn't say the Josiah. Um, you, you can, but it's odd. <laughs> um, but specifically to point out the fact that he's a person. And uh, he, he, Holy Spirit is a person, and um, he's the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of Jesus. And um, I, I kind of want to track with that this, this evening, and I, I don't want to speak in, um, I find speaking in generalizations and um, finite language quite challenging, but Johnny said be real simple, and, um, and I'm going to struggle with that. <laughs> But I want to talk about how Holy Spirit manifests himself to us in three distinct ways. So I just want to cover three distinct ways. And um, I'm going to move away from that noise. Uh, it's, I want to look at how he, how he does that in us, around us, and, th- and on us. Um, in us, around us, and on us. And so firstly, I just want to look at in us. And um, there was this word, uh, there's this word Shekinah that, it's not a biblical word, but the rabbinical Jews kind of coined it. And it describes the presence of God indwelling, right? And so they used it in the context of the Ark of the Covenant or um, the Tent of Meeting or the Tabernacle or the Temple, which was the progression um, of where God would dwell with his people. And so uh, you then, that, that's like the first five books of the Bible right there. <laughs> we just track through the Torah. And, and then, um, so God confines himself to, to represent himself through dwelling in a sanctuary, like a holy place. Um, and after the temple era, we have Jesus. And the Holy Spirit resided in Jesus. He, he's the first of many to come. <laughs> uh, and after, um, you know, when Jesus ascended to the Father, and he, he said, wait for my Holy Spirit, um, it's better that I go, and, and that he would come, and he then dwells in every believer. So he, he dwells in you. Um, when we become a new creation, Holy Spirit takes up residency in our hearts. The, the Hebrew uses heart, um, the Greek uses spirit. Um, they're kind of synonymous, um, but just different language. So um, the Bible talks about this making a mark on us, um, or an impression 
putting an impression on us. And really it's like, it's a royal ownership in our lives. And so by Holy Spirit residing in us, it authenticates and it guarantees who we belong to and who we are. It speaks of identity. You're now my son. You're now my daughter. I'm taking up residency in you. And it speaks of identity and it speaks of um, final destination. <laughs> um, there's this, you know, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, you may not, but you should read it. It's really cool. Uh, <laughs> the parable, parable of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son's been away and uh, he's done some dirty business. And uh, the father embraces him. He comes back. He's run out of money. He comes back. And the father embraces him. And he decks him out. He gives him a robe. He gives him a signet ring. Um, he, he, he gives him all these things which are like, you're my precious son. Come back. And the signet ring is like, um, Samuel, I think you've got one. I don't know where he's gone, but uh, um, he's got his gangster ring. And it's, it's got a, a symbol on it. And they would press that in wax. And then they would um, mark something and emboss something like an agreement or a covenant or a, but like we would use a signature um, but so much cooler uh, <laughs> and Holy Spirit the Bible the biblical language is really that Holy Spirit does that within us and so it's this internal wax signet ring sealing your final destination um, so I, I, for me I was I was 14 um, like I, I grew up with a relationship with God but I was 14 when um, my friend prayed for me to invite Holy Spirit to come and live inside me <laughs> in, a, in a radical way, you know, like in the first way that I noticed. Um, and I saw change fairly immediately. Um, I spoke in tongues for the first time as a 14-year-old. And, um, and that set up something inside of me as well to change. Um, it was like... Uh, the internal work of God, being able to do more. <laughs> uh, so Holy Spirit indwells you. You, he, you become his home, his abode. Um, and in a sense, Christ, um, Messiah, Christ means anointed one. Um, you become a Christian or a little anointed one, right? Um, and little not to set, diminish the size, <laughs> but just he's, he's the ultimate, <laughs> Um, and but we, you know, we take in within us the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit that resided in Jesus. Um, and so, the pur the purpose is that we're now His possession. Um, and so He took up residency within us to possess us, and there's that sense of ownership. Um, there's also this immediate. It immediately causes connection. There's an immediate connection, like um, we perceive his nearness and, uh, and, and we perceive his attributes and his character uh, like immediately. Um, it also, it ignites our, our communion with him. Um, and these, uh, I'm actually going through the attributes. So you have a human spirit, right? Your body, soul, and spirit. And your human spirit has attributes and, and they connect with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so he also renews your conscience. You know, it says in Scripture that he'll put his laws on your heart. He renews your conscience. And so you can have a conscience. We all have, a, humans have consciences, but some are pretty out there, whack, off 
the mark, <laughs> you know. But I, I believe that when Holy Spirit res- takes up residency within you, He renews your conscience, so it starts to align with truth. Um, and so, from salvation, uh, because of our belief in Jesus, Holy Spirit is in us, you know, to anoint us. And this anointing does something really significant. It transforms us from the inside out. So his consecrating work happens from the inside out. And every time I see anointing in the, in the scriptures or some, something related to that, it often includes this process of consecration, which is like being set apart, being set aside. Um, which, which I go, wow, that's fascinating that those two things go hand in hand. Um, okay, so secondly, that was firstly. So in us... <coughs> Secondly, um, in another sense, the anointing is used in Scripture to define the manifest presence of God around us. Um, the word that I, I think describes this really well is called is, is kabod or kavod. It's um, it's like the glory of God. Uh, it talks about it being weighty and heavy. And um, the word kabod in Scripture is used to describe God's glory, revealing Himself. In creation, like in the in the in the process in the in the days of creation, um, but also in his um, ministry and his history with Israel, with the people of Israel, um, and also in salvation of of people, um, in that process of coming to him. Moses said, um, Exodus thirty three eighteen. Moses is crying out to God, and he says to him, "Show me your kabod, show me your glory." And, and when God answers his request, um, the revelation of, of the kabod, the glory of God, is in human form. Doesn't that blow your mind? Like he's hiding in the crest of a rock in the cave, and he's like, yeah, shield your face, and I'm going to walk past you. And he sees the back of him in human form. He sees the glory of God. And if you think about that, it kind of blows your mind. Like he chose to reveal his glory to Moses showing him the back of a human figure. What does that say about you and I? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so many times throughout Scripture, I think God is revealing his plans and his desire for uh, to be with us. You know, this is back in Mo's day, but, but he's, he's revealing his desire to be with us. Um, it... it I don't know. It could have been the transfigured Christ. Uh, we don't know. Um, but in Isaiah, a lot later on, 58.8, it says, Your God will walk before you, and the glory of the Lord will protect you. The kabod of the Lord will protect you from behind. It will be your rear guard. And so his kabod, his glory, is your rear guard. Do you ever notice that when you put on the armor of God, that doesn't cover your back? You know, you got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, shoes, you know. But th- there's nothing that covers your back, but there's this beautiful scripture that says that the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And it's, um, it's your protection. You know, whether you're advancing into enemy territory or whether you're withdrawing from it, you need someone, something to cover your back, <laughs> who's got your back. Um, and, I, and I really believe that when his anointing is with you, when, it's, when he's around you, when he turns himself up in your midst, and I don't mean in the sense of like, um, 
like he's, he's omnipresent, so he's everywhere all the time. <laughs> but but it's, like, it's not like I've arrived, it's just like you've dialed in. Um, so, but biblically, kavod indicates worth or value. And so his anointing makes itself known, and suddenly there's a sense of, wow, we need to honor and revere him. And I think we've already felt that tonight. <laughs> we already entered into that. Where, uh, you know, he, his anointing manifests himself. His glory, the Holy Spirit is here in greater measure. <laughs> and we've dialed in. And, uh, and we're like, wow. Let's, let's just take a moment to honor him. And uh, almost, almost to a degree where that's, that can be terrifying. Uh, you know, like every time, every time a, an angel reveals itself um, to men and women throughout the Bible, um, they pretty much fall down as if they're dead. The, 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 the person, <laughs> you know, because they're like, wow, terrified. And, and here we have God, and I think sometimes we can grow so familiar with Him um, that we do, we, do, we do misplace that fear of the Lord, you know? And I love both. Uh, you know, because he is my best friend and he resides in me and I see him as a father and and yet he is also God Almighty and he's all-powerful. And and man, actually when he turns up, it's terrifying uh, in a beautiful way. Um, I think it always results in praise, you know. Uh, Exodus twenty four seventeen is a is a really good example of this of like his terrifying glory. Uh, it says, "Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. A devouring fire, you know, and and they they did they they were like Moses, you go, we're we're out of here. Um, that's that's scary. That we're yeah." This anointing of kavod or glory serves as a signal to our souls that God is worthy of respect. That his, um, his glory is also referred to as the majesty of God. This is kind of my survey of scripture to define these, <laughs> the way it's that he uh, manifests himself, that Holy Spirit presents himself to us. Um, this is, uh, it's, it's, it is the summoning, though, into the fear of the Lord. Um, and I'll never forget the times in my life where I've experienced this. Um, you know, yeah, we, we started to touch on something just earlier. Um, there was a service last year, maybe in August. Um, it was one such experience where I remember leading and just having to get off stage and get out of the way because there was the sense of, wow, Wow, he's he's really here, and like let's just hit the deck and hide, <laughs> you know. And I just I I got off and I just wept, and we flagged the message, and we just worshipped, and we just honoured him, and that's all we could do, and that was right to do. And I and I and I get the sense that God is taking us to a time where He wants to represent Himself to us as the fear of the Lord, you know. And we desire revival. We want to see ourselves revived. We want to see our city, our nation, the people around us. We want to see them revived by God. Uh, and it comes at a price. 
you know. And so as he turns himself up in his midst, I really believe that we're going to be learning about the fear of the Lord. Um, often it's when we suddenly realize, oh, wow, the anointing is here. You know, you hear people say that. <laughs> but um, I think our response should always be, well, we best get out of the way <laughs> and we best give him glory, you know, that is due him. Um, yeah, my, my question of all of us is really how do we create an atmosphere that attracts that anointing? Because we, we love that. You know, when he, when Holy Spirit presents himself to us in that way, oh, that's why we gather. <laughs> um, you know, because we go away transformed. We go away changed. We've been with him. You know, Moses went away, like when he encountered the face of God on the top of Mount Sinai, he went away transformed and glory of the Lord was on him to the point where it emanated from him. Like he arose and shone, which is what we're called to do. Um, we're called to be with him and then shine. And uh, he, he's looking for those in his, in his midst. He's looking for those of us, the, the sons and the daughters of God. He's looking for those who won't touch his glory. In the sense that when, when we're in his midst, like we will humble ourselves before him and be consecrated fully to him. And that's that word again of consecration. Like we're going to set ourselves apart for a holy God. Now, um, Jesus has already done that work in our spirit. <laughs> you know, we already have the righteousness of Christ. Um, but to yield to that, to surrender to his righteousness, looks like cutting a lot of stuff out of our lives. <laughs> you know, a lot of the the things that we, the comforts that we go to, the parts of us, the, the fleshly parts, <laughs> the idols that we cling to. Um, it looks like letting go of a lot of that stuff to, to be able to be in his presence in greater measure. Okay, so that's the, in us, <clears throat> around us. Um, this is on us. Um, Bill coined it this way. Uh, sorry, Bill uh, Johnson. Uh, he's my mate, so I just call him Bill. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit resides in us for ourselves, for our benefit, but He is on us for the benefit of those around us, for others. Um, and the word that for me most represents this in Scripture is dunamis. Dunamis. It's the power of God. And then we get we get the word dynamite from from that word dunamis. You know, that, and that really represents power, right? Dynamite power, the dynamite power of God. And, you know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come with power and fire, fire power. He would endure us with power from on high. That's literally what he said. Like, I'm going so that that would happen. Otherwise, he'd just hang around and he'd be here with us still. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and he's enthroned, you know, he's enthroned. And he's placed us here with, with power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to enact miracles, to, uh, to manifest the power of God, um, to change and transform and to comfort and to, you know, change this world. And it's not like a mystical, magical power. It's simply the capacity to perform the calling of God on your life. 
I personally have been wrestling with this one for a while because I was 12. No, I was, yeah, I was 12 when I felt God called me to pastor. And I just thought, yeah, ministry of some sort. Everyone's called a pastor. <laughs> and honestly, it wasn't until the last month where God's been revealing that actually, no, um, when you step into the call on your life, that's when people can receive what you carry. So it was funny to me that today these guys have been joking and calling me pastor. Because uh, it's about me learning to accept something that's on my life. Um, yeah, it was terrifying to say that. <sighs> Thanks. <laughs> we see this kind of language all through Paul's teachings. Um, you know, he talks about the supernatural or the spiritual gifts. And, or abilities, gifts or abilities. Um, and it can be likened, I like, I like the analogy of electricity, you know, because it's, it's not seen, but it's felt, and it's transferable, and it's powerful, and it does stuff, yeah? <laughs> I don't really know what, because I'm not an electrician, but you can talk to one of the moots. Um, <laughs> they'll tell you what it does. Um, <laughs> so... This, you know, like if you track through Scripture, you see that um, all the, the kings, the priests, the prophets, they were all anointed with oil outwardly. And it symbolized consecration, that they were being set apart, but also that the Holy Spirit was coming upon them for, with power for a task. Um, a task or an assignment or an office. So often they, by office, I mean like a kingly office or the priestly office or a prophet the officer or prophet, but sometimes it was just a task or an assignment that God had given them for a season of their lives. And they were, um, they were from that point onwards, they were empowered and protected by the Spirit of God to perform their calling, right? And, and God's called us. He's called each of us. He's called each of us. And uh, we're learning to align our lives to the calling that's on our lives. I think it's amazing that then Jesus reveals to himself to us as, as our king, as our priest, and as our prophet. <laughs> He's the Messiah, which literally means anointed one. And he has endued us with power from on high to be kings and priests and prophets. <laughs> now, the, the anointing on us is the equipment that he gives us to fulfill our calling. It's essentially something to do, get the job done. <laughs> um, and it's, it's uniquely, uh, I like to say it's uniquely faith and voice activated. Um, someone, someone put it this way, God's power is always present, but it only manifests itself when believers exercise their faith. Now, in this regard, the, um, you know, like it says in Scripture that the gifts and the call are irrevocable. But I, I do see the anointing ebb and flow on us. And I think that's in regard to our nearness with Christ. That intimacy, you know, what we've been talking about all year about the secret place and intimacy, that when we are with Him, um, we are more like Him, you know. And that doesn't mean that you generate the power. doesn't mean that, um, you know, oh, if I spend time with him, it generates more power. So if I do two hours, they did two hours. I'm going to do three hours. I'm going to do four hours. I've seen this 
<laughs> it's been around for years. Oh, I'm going to do six hours, you know, like, oh, I'm going to waste my whole, you know, day. And just, it's not a waste. But um, it, I, it's like, it's like if you looked like, if you thought the anointing was like one of those dynamo torches that you had to wind the crank, you know, and if I, if I pray more, I'm, it gets brighter or something like that. But you are not the source. Holy Spirit is the source. And so I, I think it's wise to approach it as I look like the one I've been with. You know, it's subtle, but the motivation is entirely different. Um, part of being endued with power from on high <laughs> is receiving the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, these are the anointings, the graces, the supernatural endowment, the abilities to do what you could not otherwise do. Uh, I have seen this at play in my own life because there's lots of things that I am inept at doing. <laughs> I was a teenager who was shy and introverted and quiet and stuttered. No joke. <laughs> I, I had a stutter. I could barely, you know, like I, I struggled to pull my words together. And, and I've seen that when I operate in the anointing, um, that there's an operational power of God, you know. It's the empowering grace. And, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not necessarily who I am, but it's something that I do. <laughs> um, and actually, interestingly, I've seen this. If you walk away from Christ, um, you often take that gift with you. But who's anointing that gift now? Uh, so when, I, when I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit manifesting himself on us, that, that anointing, um, I, I feel like God's resoundingly been saying to me, who can he trust? I want to trust m more of myself to more of my sons and daughters. I want to pour myself out. Who can I trust with my power? I want to pour myself out. Who has... Who, ha who has surrendered their will to his? And and Because there's something to do with obedience there, you know? Like you've got to step out. You've got to be obedient. Um, so when he whispers, when he nudges, you're right there. <clears throat> Jesus said in, uh, in Luke 4.18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, uh, proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What what has the Holy Spirit anointed each one of us to do? Like to share the gospel, <laughs> to share the good news, um, to be the good news to those around us, and and ultimately to set people free, to set the captives free. I've spent the weekend at a, um, except when I was here, <laughs> at a, uh, a counseling course. And just hearing people sharing about their therapies and practices, and a lot of them were Christians in the room, hearing them share about setting people free from stuff. And I go, man, and for those who weren't believers, I was like, man, what you could be doing with the power of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, with the anointing in that mix.
Isaiah 10:27 says, "And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off the shoulders, and his yoke from off the neck, and his yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing." I love this. I'd love to preach another 10 messages on this. <laughs> the anointing breaks the yoke. You know, it sets captives free. It breaks the chains. It breaks the chains inside of us, it breaks the chains around us, and it breaks the chains through us to others. Our own chains inside us, the chains around us, the atmospheres, the places that we go in, we get to break chains and then through us to people. Let's, um, let's stand together. My beautiful acoustic team are going to come. <laughs> And uh, as we stand together, like um, Andrew spoke this morning about stirring ourselves. <laughs> and, and what does it mean to stir ourselves in faith, to stir our faith? Um, remember, it's not the crank. It's not a works thing that we're trying to generate something. It's a receiving thing. And I think faith is, is both... It's a part of receiving the anointing and it's also part of imparting the anointing. But I was thinking this morning, you know, faith is the size of the cup that you bring to the well of impartation. And in our prayer time beforehand, I saw a picture of us, this group gathered here tonight, linking arms. And I used to be an outdoor instructor and and um, I used to take students across rivers. And I just saw us with linked arms wading into a river, you know? And, and the river represents his anointing. And he just wants to take us deeper. And he's saying, how big is the cup that you want to bring to the river? Because you determine how much grace you'll receive. Bring a bigger cup, bring a bigger vessel, bring more hunger honor you're also receiving in faith because just just if you don't if because you don't feel something doesn't mean something's not taking place I I had John and Carol, John and Carol Arnott lay hands on me last year and no, I didn't feel anything everyone in the room fell out under the power of God. <laughs> I was like, oh man. But the next week I noticed the difference in my life. And so let's just um let's just stand. We're just gonna stand before him and just recognize that he's already in the room, he's already in you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just thank you for being present with us. We thank you for your anointing in us, around us, on us. <laughs> we acknowledge you. And we just, uh, we bring our vessels, our cups, and ask that you would overflow them. Ask that you would pour yourself into us afresh tonight. As we come to you, we would drink deeply from the river of your anointing as we, we meet with you and have time with you.
that you would fill us afresh. We live in a dry and weary land and we're thirsty. We crave you. There's nothing else that satisfies. No one else. It's only you.